Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how the Bible, Holy Spirit, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. If you don't know me very well, um, in the next few minutes, you're going to get to know me. This message is more for me, so don't take it personal when I, I say some things. My title today is, If Not, Why Not? If Not, Why Not? And as we get going, you'll understand why I, I titled it that. The last, I don't know, it's been months now this has been going on. Um, people have been coming up to me going, hey, Pastor Danny. And one of the things that I find, because I'm just Danny, right? I'm just me. And I, I'm, I don't expect people to call me Pastor Danny. But generally, I get it in two, two places. When somebody has a question and they want to make it like, oh, Pastor Danny, you'll know this, right? Or when I do something really dumb, they go, oh, Pastor Danny. To remind me, I'm a pastor. And I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that. I know. I say and do things that I shouldn't. So in these conversations, a lot of them have been asking me the question, do you believe we're in the end times? So I want to speak about the end times today. Just kidding. I don't. <laughs> I believe, I believe that once Jesus left this earth, every generation has believed that they were in the end. And I don't see anywhere in there, in the Bible, that says that God's promises stop if we're in the end. <laughs> it says that he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. The Bible tells us that he wants us to be blessed and walk in his blessing, except for in the very end. In just a moment, I'm going to read a, a passage in Matthew 6 that talks about the lilies of the field, the flowers of the field, and how splendid they're arrayed. And even the best dressed, even the best, the most expensive stuff don't compare to a, a flower that God created. So how much more will he take care of us except for in the end? And I, I hear Christians talk about, oh, it's going to be so bad. Yeah, but God's going to be there with us. And, and I don't know how many times I wind up in these conversations going, but you understand that God is going to do amazing things through all of that stuff. And we can get caught up in looking at social media and the news and all the stuff that's going on. And, oh, don't go to that city because it's just crazy right now. And you don't know if you'll be safe. Oh, don't go there. Oh, watch out for this. And oh, the schools and oh, the government and oh, the sky is falling. And it's just like, wow. And I hear it constantly from people that have been in, in church for years. And I'm just like, okay, relax. And they're like, how do you stay so positive? And I'm like, all of his promises are forever. They don't end in the end. They're going to be there for us and we can stand on them. And the Bible says that the psalmist said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. And I've watched, oh man, 
See, can get the cards out now because I'm just going to hit stuff. I've seen people on TV advertising, oh, buy this rice in this bucket because in the end, you won't have any food. Well, we're going to be begging bread then. I guess that's scriptural. Come on. <laughs> Where in the Bible does it say that you're going to beg bread? It says God's going to take care of all of your needs according to what? His riches. Oh, we're going we're gonna to be begging bread. Come on, people. The end times are not going to be as scary as what people make it sound like. God is still going to be doing amazing things. And we're the light of this earth. Christ in us. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And now we have that in us. We're going to shine bright. But so many times I find us as Christians, we're looking into the darkness instead of living in the light. We get so caught up in all the stuff going on that we forget who we're in and who has us. It, these stories are never going to be told on the, on the news, okay? So I'm going to enlighten you on a little bit of what's going on that I've researched and studied because I like reading, I like studying, I like listening to stuff. I, I just, I love getting more knowledge. In California, and I don't remember, it was sometime this year, there were, they were doing a baptism in Southern California. Now, you, if you know anything about California, it, it can be pretty out there, okay? Um, even growing up near San Francisco, even in the 60s, 70s, 80s, people would say that San Francisco was weird back then. Well, <laughs> we've gotten to the weird weird now. But in Southern California, a church baptized, and if we can put that picture up, there were 4,000 people baptized. 4,000 people. Well, you know, it's going to be rough. Yeah, people are going to get saved. It's going to be really rough. But 4,000 lined up waiting to be baptized. You don't hear that on MSN. You don't hear that. In, you, you rarely see it on any kind of feed. If you're following the right people, you can kind of see stuff. Did you know that Iran was one of the fastest growing churches in the world for the last few years? They were having over 20% a year of people getting saved. So if there was a thousand people one year, you had a thousand, 200 people the next. When then the next year, it went up 20% and it went up 20%. The interview that I saw them doing with this lady incredible. You'll have to dig to find this stuff, but incredible story. And she was, they had to, to mask her face and make sure that you couldn't tell who she was and changed her voice. And one of the things that stood out to me was she said, if I told you the mosques are empty, would you believe me? She said, the, the people that you see on TV going to the mosques, those are the wealthy. That's not the common person. It's empty. And people are coming to know Christ. There's no pastors. There's no denominations. There's no churches. And it's still growing at 20% a year. Incredible. The fastest growing church is in China, where it's oppressed. God's doing amazing things in our world. 
But if we keep looking into the darkness of, oh, but our schools, but, but our government, but our, but our, man, take your eyes off of that stuff and put it on the answer. Take your eyes off of what the devil's doing and put it on the answer. Because when I read the Bible, when I read the Bible, Jesus' name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. When I read the Bible, it says that Satan was thrown from heaven like lightning. There was no battle. You don't get thrown from somewhere like lightning and have a really good fight. The devil loses. But so many times we give him too much credit. I, I don't even know if the devil knows my name. Just going to say it. Sure, he might have imps that try to bug me and do things to try to get me off course. But I don't feel like I'm that big of a person that he has to actually worry about me personally. When you look at the, the world stage and some of these amazing leaders and pastors around the world, Danny Michael, who? Seriously, like now when I use Jesus name, he goes, oh, <laughs> I know him. See, all authority has been given to me because of what Jesus did. My authority is because of his name. And I don't need the devil to try to throw me off. I'm pretty good at throwing myself off. But we blame the devil. Oh, the devil. Yeah, okay. Let's take it all the way back to the garden. And because we fell, it is the devil's fault that I fight my flesh and I fight the, the desires of my flesh. But that's an excuse. I want to live the life God has for me and quit making excuses for why I'm living the way I am. <laughs> and I've already taken up half my time and I've not even made it through my first page. Ephesians, Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So many times we're raging against someone in po politics or wherever, and we're so upset with him. My battle is not with a politician. I don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We don't wrestle with them. We wrestle with the spirits that are behind what's going on. But so many times we're calling out the people and God's going, just start praying. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, this is what the word says, I will heal their land. But so many times, instead of actually going to God, we'd rather sit with our friends and talk about all this stuff going on and we haven't done a thing. Yes, I vote. Yes, I call and make my voice heard. Yes, I do those things. But the most important thing I do is that when I spend time with God, I speak to the heavenly places. Satan, you have no right on our government. We take authority back in Jesus' name. You put in good Christians. We need Christians in politics. We need people that aren't afraid to stand for the truth. Okay, I'm past my introduction. Maybe. Matthew 6, 27 through 38 says, 34 says this in, in the Message Bible. I, I just love the way it's worded here. Has anyone by fussing in front of a mirror even gotten taller by so much as an inch? 
all this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much of a difference? Instead of looking at the fashion, walk out into the lily, into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color or design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you? Do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be meet, met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Wow. I love the way that's worded. Yeah, let's give God a hand. Like, I, as I was putting this together, I was thinking, anytime I've really worried, it solved nothing. My worry didn't change any of it. It just made it prolonged. And usually when I walked into that meeting or I walked into that situation or I had to deal with whatever it was, it went way different than what I'd pictured in my head. It didn't end up as bad as I thought it would. And even if it did, what good does it do me to worry about it for days, weeks, months, sometimes? Why do we sit there fretting over things that God's got us taken care of? See, I believe that so many times in our life, we get so caught up in all the other things going on that we stop seeking to grow in who we are. We stop seeking to grow in our marriages. We stop seeking to grow in our jobs and our friendships in our relationship with God. Those other things become priority. They're screaming so loudly that we put aside the important for the unimportant. We put aside the things of God for the things that are temporary. Proverbs 8, 10, and 11 says this, receive my instruction, receive my instruction in preference to striving for silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For skillful and godly wisdom is better than rubies or pearls. All the things that may be desired are not to be compared with it. But why do we get so caught up in all the things, the striving after, the I've got to get more of kind of lifestyle? And then we miss the incredible things that God has for you. And this message, I, I, I don't want to qualify everything I'm going to say because I don't have enough time, but so, so many times we can get in ditches one way or the other. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to bless you. God wants to bless you. God wants to take care of you. God wants you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. But so many times we're seeking that instead of seeking the source of those things. One of the things I, I so enjoyed about working with kids and still enjoy working with kids is kids are inquisitive. They always want to know more. They're always asking questions. And sometimes it can drive you kind of nuts. Dad, why? Why can't I have that chocolate bar? 
it's, it's nine o'clock, sweetie, and you need to be going to bed. Why do I need to go to bed? Like, it just goes on and on and on. Why are wheels round? You know, like, I don't know, because it wouldn't work if it was square. I, you know, like, on and on and on and on. Where do we lose that desire to gain more knowledge? Where do we lose that desire to push further for God? Where does it come where we put other things as the priorities and we haven't spent a day in a week, a month, sometimes even longer with God? We miss out when we stare into the darkness. We miss out when our, our problems are bigger than the God we serve because they're not bigger than the God we serve. My God shall supply all of my needs. And I stand on verses that I know I need to keep in my heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I use it all the time. I got it on my arm because I need the reminder that I need to trust in the Lord with everything inside me. Because I try to figure it out. I try to solve God's problems. God's, God's got me. He'll take care of me. Why do I get ahead of him? So I've got some questions that we need to ask ourselves. So I got to cruise through them. I don't have much time. First question we need to ask, am I taking time to grow personally? If not, why not? Am I taking time to grow personally? What am I doing to improve myself in any area of our lives? I don't know how many times I have people come to me and they talk to me about, oh, you know, I want to get working out or I want to get healthy or I want to get into the Bible more. I, well, why aren't you? We make it such a big deal. We make it so much bigger than what it is. Start going for a walk if you want to get healthier. It's not hard. Just get up and move. Do something you like. Set a time for you and God. Five minutes to start. It's a great place to start. But we make it so big. Oh, I need to be able to spend an hour because Jesus asked the disciples, can you not tarry for an hour? I don't need to start there. I just need to start somewhere. But so many times we want the end result and we're looking at where we want to be instead of, hey, I'm here. Let me just take that initial step. If I'm not growing, why not? Why am I not pushing for more? Why am I not wanting more? Why am I not seeking out God more? Why am I not doing the things I'm supposed to be doing? Why am I not getting what I want? Proverbs 12.1 says, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction, and I'm, is it up there? <sighs> I'm just reading the Bible, okay? But he who hates correction is stupid. Now the emphasis on st stupid was me, but <laughs> come on, why are we not seeking more? Proverbs 19.27 says, cease listening to instruction, my son or daughter, and you will stray from words of knowledge. Stop seeking. Psalms 119.11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And sin is to miss the mark, that I might not miss the mark with you. Here's some things that I find, characteristics that people who are actually wanting to grow will do on their own. Number one, they develop a personal growth plan. They set a plan. 
These are the things I want to do, and this is how I'm going to do it. They possess a teachable spirit. You know, I, again, I love working with kids. Kids say stuff sometimes, and I'm like, ugh. Such wisdom in a little tiny kid. Why? Because they just believe the word, and they, well, let me pray for you. And you're like, why didn't I think of that? You know, like, it's just, ugh, teachable. They invest in growth-oriented resources and relationships. They continue to leave their comfort zone. If you want to grow, you got to get out of being comfort. Like, you, it, comfortable doesn't get you growth. Oh, man, here comes the connect cards. The lazy boy is not going to get you in shape. All right, let's move on. They capture what they learn by applying their knowledge. They don't just learn it. They apply it. They reflect on what they learn and turn experience into insight. And then the last one, number seven, they pass on what they have learned to others. And all of this is scriptural. The last one, Matthew 28, 19, says, therefore go and make disciples. Passing on what we've learned. Passing to the next generation. Passing to the friend. Passing to the neighbor. Passing to a loved one. What we've learned. One of the things that I love about my relationship with my wife is we, when we learn something, we're like, oh, did you, I, I read this today. It was really good. And we talk about the things that we're learning because it helps sharpen us. It helps us to grow. I love when she comes to me and says, oh, I read this great verse today. Love that because that's helping me to grow. And then my second point is, am I spending my time with the right people? If not, why not? Most people can trace their success and failures to the relationships in their life. If you surround yourself with negative people, guess what happens? You start becoming negative. Oh, see, I told you, just get the cards out and get them ready. If you're sitting around with somebody who's talking about somebody else to you, if they're talking about somebody in your circle and calling them down and talking bad about them, what do you think they're doing when you're not there? They're talking about you. Put your, put your life in people's, in, surrounding your life with people that are actually going to build you up and build up those around you. And one of the things I find as Christians is, oh, we need to pray for so-and-so. Oh, why do we need to pray? You know what I mean? It tickles the ears. And we're, we're just going to pray for them. Now, I can say, hey, we need to pray for Jim if you're Jim here, sorry. We need to pray for Jim. He's going through some stuff. And leave it at that. Right? Just be praying for him. But instead, we like to be in the know. We feel like we're going to miss out on something. If you get around people that are constantly talking about other people, they're probably not the best people for you to be around. And if you're one of those people, <laughs> enough said. <laughs> Proverbs 13, 20 says, he walks with the wise will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. I want to make sure that I am walking with wise people, that the people I surround my life with are people that are going to bring wisdom to my life. But then the next question is, am I someone that other people are going, I want to be around Danny because I want to be around somebody who's wise. I'm not saying you can't have fun. Sometimes we, 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 we look at being wise as you got to be stoic. And Man, I love having a blast. 
I'm a goofball. I have so much fun when I'm out. Like, I can tell you story after story of the weird things I do. Doesn't mean I don't have wisdom because wisdom is knowing when and where to have that kind of fun. That's wisdom. The Bible doesn't say, never have fun. And that's what we, growing up, that's what I thought the Bible was about. Do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Oh, you can have this, but if you don't do this, 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 and this, you don't get this. And it was all the rules. No, it's about a relationship with God. And I think Jesus had a great sense of humor. Kids wouldn't be drawn to somebody who wasn't fun. <laughs> oh man, I'm stepping on toes. Jesus was a blast because little kids were drawn to him. And he had to tell the disciples, no, let him come. Let him come. I believe he cracked jokes. I believe he smiled lots. I believe he was so much fun to be around. But probably the wisest person that ever walked the planet. So you can be wise and have fun. I'm not telling you not to have fun, but are you, are you actually living with character and integrity and being true to what the word of God says? Or do you have things in your life that you need to uproot and remove? And again, we make it more complicated than what it is. If there's areas of your life that you have strongholds, areas that you've been trying to change and haven't been able to, keep moving closer to God. I don't change as good or as easily as when I'm next to God in this. Okay, God, I need your strength. I need your help. I need your reminders. I need you to help me. And when I get next to him and I'm like, okay, God, help me. It's a whole lot easier for me to change that area of my life. But I have to listen to him when he corrects me. Danny, you don't want to do that. You stop. And it's that check in the heart of don't. But so many times we want to push past it. That's why I, I, don't, I don't think my biggest enemy is the devil. My biggest enemy is my own head. It moves me into doubt. It moves me into fear. It moves me into, the devil doesn't have to work at it. But if I focus on the word, if I focus on what God's done, when I focus on what Jesus does for me, all those things fall aside. Why do we focus on the wrong areas? Number three. Am I staying where I'm effective in my strength zone? If not, why not? Now, again, let me qualify this. Don't go home and say to your spouse, well, you know what? Taking out the garbage is not my strength. <laughs> but effective leaders aren't focused on their weaknesses. They diligently develop their strengths. You want to go somewhere in your life, work on your strengths. Focus on your strengths. Now, I'm not saying I'd, I've worked on some of the areas of my life that I'm not strong in because I've had to. But I also know that no matter how hard I work on that area that isn't a strength, it will never be my strong suit. So I get to where it won't hurt me anymore. And then I bring people around me that that's their strength. And I walk with them. When, when I'm preparing things for Springs College, I'll let my wife read through stuff because she's more detailed. 
I'm not the best detailed person. I go to other staff members and I'm like, okay, I'm working on the calendar. Do you see any mistakes here? Do you see areas we need to change? Do you see things that I need to move around? Why? Because that's their strength. And they're going to soar in that strength. So I want to focus on areas of my strength so that I can go further. And as a team, when you get around, you get the people around you that have strengths that are your weaknesses, that's where you go as a, a team, you go further. I used to, it used to annoy me <laughs> when people that were really detailed would ask me lots of questions. Because it was like, stop it. I don't have an answer for that. Now I love it because I've realized they're poking holes in areas I may not have seen. And it's a whole lot better to see the hole before you start than to fall in it when you're moving. So I am so thankful when people come around me and go, hey, Danny, what about, hey, Danny, did you look at, hey, Danny, did you, because it helps me to get through it. The last one is, am I taking care of today? Am I taking care of today? If not, then why not? I believe that the secret of our success can be de determined by our daily habits. Am I building great habits? I find that I'm so many times I'm putting out fires that aren't important. They're just loud. And so I'm running around trying to fix these things that are not getting me where I want to go instead of actually being proactive and choosing the things that are important to me. So many times, even with raising kids, we're running around trying to put out the fires instead of sitting down with our kids and instructing them in the way they should go. Teach your kids. The Bible says to bring them up in the admonition of God. Well, that takes time, sitting down and walking them through things. And when there is fires, you help them. But if you've got teenagers in your life, there's fires all the time. I would rather be instructing my kid on how to handle things so that the fires aren't nearly as big as what they seemed. Teaching them in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. I want to raise my kids knowing that God's got incredible things in store for them. Teaching them the word, not putting out fires, teaching them how to live. There's a, a story. I was in California hanging out with me. I went down to see my parents. And there was a story. They had this book on their coffee table. And so I picked it up and I started reading it. And one of the things that, a story that was in it was the daffodil principle. So if you've heard this, then you get to hear it again. But if you've never heard this, it's quite a story. This mom, her daughter was like, mom, you need to come see me. She lived about two hours away. You need to come see me and see the daffodil field. It's incredible. And if you don't come, you're going to miss it. Like you only have so much time when they're in bloom and you got to come see this. And the mom, after a few times of being bugged, she's like, okay, fine. I'm going to come out on Tuesday. And I want to make sure I tell it right. So I'm going to pull out the story here. And so she went to see the daughter, but on that Tuesday, it was rainy and cloudy and it wasn't the best weather. And so it was hard to see. And so by the time she got to her daughter's house, she was like, hey, you know what? I, I, as soon as the weather clears, I want to head back home. So I don't think we can go see the, the daffodil fields. And, and I'm sorry, but this, just driving in this is not, not good. 
And the daughter goes, well, I was hoping that you would come with me to pick up my car from the shop. And the mom's like, well, how far is it? And daughter's like, not very far. So she's like, okay, I'll come with you. And she's like, don't worry, mom. I drive in this kind of weather all the time here. This is pretty normal for us. And so they started driving towards the shop, but she took a detour about 20 minutes out of her way. And mom's like, where are you headed? This isn't the way to the shop. She goes, well, and she's like, you're heading to the daffodil fields. Yes, because you got to see this, mom. If you don't see it, you're going to regret it. And you're gonna, it's going to be fine. Just trust me. So after about a 20-minute drive, they get out to the field. And this is what the, the mom said. Before me lay the most glorious sight. It looked as though someone had taken a great vat of gold and poured it down over the mountain peaks and slopes. The flowers were planted in majestic swirling patterns, great ribbons and swaths of deep orange, white, lemon yellow, salmon pink, saffron, a butter yellow, each different colored variant, each different colored variety was planted as a group so that it swirled and flowed like it was a river with its own unique hue. Five acres of flowers. If we can put that picture up. Now, you guys all know pictures don't do justice. So the mom asked, who did this? And the daughter, just one woman. And there, she said, that's her house right over there. So they walked over to the house and on the patio was a poster saying, answers to the question I know you are asking. The first answer was simp- a simple one, 5,000 bulbs. The second answer was planted one at a time by one woman, two hands, two feet, and a very little brain. Giving herself not very much credit there, but... And then the third answer was it began in 1958. (laughs) As I was reading that, it just struck me. I was like, wow, how many things have I thought about doing, but I put it off? I don't take care of today. If I start something today, how far can I be in 30 years? How far can I be in 50 years? Why not start? This lady planting one bulb at a time created a field so beautiful. She didn't expect people to start showing up to see it. That wasn't her goal. But as people started hearing about it, they started showing up. Why did she do it? It didn't say why. Man, I love the principle though. If we start today, taking care of today, what could God do through us? What could God do around us? Am I dealing with some area of my life, some private sin, and I'm missing the mark in that area? We think sometimes that, oh, you know what? What I'm doing privately isn't gonna affect anyone else. But you know what? If it affects your attitude, it's affecting somebody else. If it affects the way you treat people, it's affecting somebody else. Start today changing that area. Start today. Are you taking care of today? If not, why not? There's another story about a guy. His name is Sir Nicholas Winton. And you can look him up on on. YouTube, there's, there's actually a cool video, but I'll tell this story really quick. 
Sir Winton never sought recognition for this. In fact, the story didn't come out for 50 years after it had happened. But in World War II, he was a stockbroker and he, well off, he was going to Switzerland to go on a skiing trip. But he decided last minute that he'd go to Prague and see one of his close friends. Sir Winton, at the friend's house, the friend was like, I need to show you something. Took him to where the refugees were that were coming from concentration camps. And it broke Sir Winton's heart. He said, we got we to gotta do more. We got to do something. So in a hotel room, he started his, his journey of trying to get people out of these concentration camps and save their lives or get them before they went into the concentration camps. By the end of World War II, he had saved 670 kids from concentration camps. One person with a goal, with a, a heart to do something different, one day at a time, changing lives of 670 people. I have a picture of him we can throw up, of him and his wife and one of his kids. Sir Winton was not this remarkable person. In fact, he gave up being a stockbroker to do this for a while. Just a normal person doing the right thing every day, taking care of that day. What are we missing out on? Because we don't think we could do it. Or we've wanted to and we just never have. What are we missing out on? And as a church, what dreams, what things can we be doing to reach more people for God? And the gifts are right here in the house. But we're not doing anything with it. Oh, yeah, I got this dream. But maybe next year. I'm going to finish with this story. Billy Graham, some of you guys will know who he is, some of you don't. Billy Graham was known as America's pastor. From, I, I don't know if it started in the 60s, but I know for sure the 70s, 80s, and 90s, Billy Graham toured and did revivals and spoke at different events and, and did worldwide, but he did over 400 crusades in 99 countries. He ministered to or had at least 215 million people come to his crusades. And to them, the, the, the count that they have is 3.2 million people gave their life to Christ in those crusades. That's the number they know of. So how many more never told, never shared that they went to the front or anything like that or raised their hand in one of his crusades? Followed the call, followed what God had put on his heart, and the U.S. was changed. People's lives were changed because of what he did. What is it that God has for you? What holds you back from living that? I know in, in my life, I can get so caught up in temporary things, things that will not last, things that do not have eternal value. What we do for Christ is for eternity. It's forever. You're not placed in that job by accident. You're not placed in your neighborhoods by accident. You're there to be a light. And I know if I'm meeting people as Christians 
that are struggling with stuff that's going on in the world right now, how much more so those that don't know Christ? How dark is it for them? And we can give them the answer. God, I just thank you for each person that's here today. God, you've got purposes and plans. You've got incredible things in store for each of us. God, let us not lose sight of what we're really here for. It's to serve you, to know you, to love you, and then to love others. Help us. Help us. Help us, God, to be the light. We need your strength. We need your wisdom. We need you to guide us by your spirit. Help us to not miss that still, quiet voice that talks to us. God, we love you so much. And we want to be what you need us to be for the people around us. We just ask for your strength to do it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't like to finish a service without giving people the opportunity to accept Christ into their life. And the Bible says that if you confess the Lord Jesus Christ with your mouth and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, we, you will be saved. So in a moment, we're going to pray a prayer that's basically doing exactly that. It's confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe this is your first time coming, maybe you've come for a while and you've heard the messages but you would like to commit your life to Christ today, or maybe you had walked away from God and today you came back to church and it's been a while and you wanna rededicate your life to Christ. In just a moment, we're gonna pray, but before we do, I'm gonna ask you to take one step with every head bowed and every eye closed. Just those that wanna pray this prayer, we're all gonna pray together, but you're gonna make a commitment to Christ. I want you to just look up at me and give me a wave today. If that's you, just really quickly right now, just say, Pastor Danny, I want to pray that prayer by lifting your hand and giving me a wave. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else today? Just looking through the auditorium. Thank you back there. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else would like to pray this prayer with us? Thank you. So many times we can feel... God kind of tugging on our heart. If that's you today and you'd say, you know what, there's something in my heart that's saying, I want that. I really want to, but I'm scared. Don't let fear stop you from the incredible life that God has for you. I'm going to look through the crowd one more time. If you'd like to pray this prayer with us, just quickly raise your hand. Give me a wave. Say, I want to pray this prayer. Awesome. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear God, thank you for your love. Thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for me. I ask that you'd come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. Forgive me from what I've done wrong and be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome.